Welcome. Our podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company. They are a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support the members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits to them. Do not wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each and every month with our coffee club, the coffee that gives back. All right, folks, thank you for turning in to another episode of Bucks America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance. I'm here today again at Black Hawk Archers here in Cuzzard, Wisconsin. Uh, today, I have a return guest. His name's Travis Ragstead. Uh, if you remember from Arrow Polar, he still retains that nickname. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to chit chat. We're going to talk about his experience on the on the on the course today and talk about his, his likes, dislikes and go from there, but also kind of like a catch up because we haven't talked in a while. And it's like, and with everything going on, that dirty little C word, we're trying to recapture what we've been missing for the last 12 months, essentially. So Travis, how you been? Been good. Um, I work in the emergency room, so it's been kind of crazy there with everything. We went through this weird wave of not having a single patient in the emergency room and everybody was just, scared to come in uh-huh. and when they would come in they would wait too long and be half dead um but now we're kind of back to our normal crazy busy 10 in the waiting room whether it's people that need to be there or you know silly chief complaints but we're back so it was nice to get out of the way and you know come up north here and shoot some arrows and get away that's awesome man because this past fall you went to school to become an ems Correct? Correct. Yeah, I did my uh, EMT basic course, and then um, I was going to do paramedic in the fall and kind of talked myself out of it, and now I'm kicking myself, but I'm going to do my fire classes coming up here. Okay. Um, so I'll be taking entry-level firefighter um, starting in September, but I'm going to miss my first day for my bear hunt, so there's that. Oh, you got you got drawn for a bear hunt this year? It, yes. I'm Congratulations. In, yeah. It, so uh, how, how long did it take you to get uh, get drawn? I had uh, seven points, so... Okay. I'm up in, yeah, so I'm up in um, D. I'll be in Grandview up by the Copper Falls area. Fantastic. Um, It's beautiful up there. Yeah, and I don't have a guide. I just have a buddy that I actually met because I asked if I could bow hunt or bow fish his little river that goes through his house. Yeah. Or through his yard. Okay. Um, It's in middle of Windsor, Wisconsin, and it was um, right on the golf course and can't bow fish any of it. Okay. And one day I just asked, like, hey, can I can I access your yard and bowfish? And we went from there and that was, that was probably 15 years ago. And now he's retired and he moved up to Grandview and I was joking with him one day and I was like, so I can go up to your hut place and bear hunt. Like when, when I pull a tag in five years. Okay. And he's like, yeah, of course, let me know. So he shot a bear off that property. His daughter has, and um, now he offered to have me so i'm going to go up there for a week and stay at his place he has a spare room and that saves me a grand he just sent me some uh uh trail camera footage oh nice of of a nice bear there was a a sow with two cubs and then 
um, two nice males then. Two nice boars? Fantastic, yeah, so man. It's exciting. That is exciting. So then now, are you you're going to do dedicate one week, or are you going to do you're going to try to get up there as, as frequently as possible? Because because the season starts the September first, correct? Um, not, September ninth. September ninth. Okay. Yes. So it's September 9th. I'll be September 9th through the fifteenth. Uh, okay. And then my little one. Um, birthday is the seventeenth, so I figured. Oh, okay. I I went hunting last year on my wife's birthday uh, in Texas, so Ooh. I should probably be here for my son's birthday. Yeah, yeah, you might. Uh, yeah, probably got some heat for that one last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I definitely did. But um, I shot two hogs, and that was the first time I ever did that, so that was fine. That's awesome, man. At least you came back with something. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Then, so then, are you going to be going with both uh, gun and bow? Or are you going to going to stick well with just one discipline over the other? Well, my heart is in bow hunting, um, but this year with everything crazy going on and the amount of time I had, I sighted in right here today before the shoot. <laughs> so I just put a tape on my bow just to get through the shoot, but I think I'm going to find tweak some stuff and even thinking about getting some heavier arrows because right now I'm shooting the gold tip velocities. Okay. So they're pretty light. So I'm thinking about getting some heavier hitter and mm-hmm, heavier mm-hmm. arrows, but um, as of now, we're kind of just going to play it by ear. I... I'm thinking about uh, taking my seven mm or my um, thirty out six. Okay, just got rid of my seven mm eight to my nephew. But so I'm thinking about taking the thirty out six and the bow because um, I don't want to mess anything up. Understandable. I have a friend of mine, Ryan Nordahl. He's been on the podcast a few times. He got drawn finally for a bear too, and I and it's like he he lives over by Osseo. And I made a, I asked him. It's like if you shoot something, you let me know because like I will drive because it's like I don't know if I'm ever gonna have an opportunity to butcher something. But he's he said that like there's a, there's some there's some prime boars that where he's gonna be hunting at. So it's like it's only like a two hour drive or something like that. But I told my I told my boss is very lenient. So it's like I told him it's like I will I will put in requests and see if I can balance and I'll get over there real quick because I'm sitting there like almost almost a, like 130 hours of PTO time oh, right perfect. now. So it's like and I took a, I bought an extra hours hours for PTO just in case if somebody got sick or something like that. So so, and uh, no, well, I'm still healthy, so I don't have to worry about it. But now I got, I got like, I'm, I've saved it. I've, I've, <laughs> I've saved it all between now until, well, I'm hunting Vernon County in uh, Wisconsin. So I'll be, I'm going to be hunting until January 31st. So I was like, I'm going to take advantage of the, the time I have, and especially like the hunting property, like literally 15 minutes away. Well, actually, two properties, like one's like, 80 acres and almost 227 acres so it's like i just don't know who all is hunting but man i'm, I'm, I'm excited for you dude because how far north is that from madison so from where i am it's about four hours and 45 minutes okay so it's a little, little it'd be like six hour drive for me to get up there so i may yeah. not be able to jump in on that <laughs> one but i just like uh, it's it's exciting me because it's like i don't know if i'll ever get uh, drawn to hunt or not yeah but that's pretty exciting and then um i inter- interrupted your story because you're 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 going to become a firefighter and like where we give you fire classes now does that open the doors up to become a volunteer so right now i am a volunteer um with point the town i live in just north okay. of madison um so i'm an emt there and now i'm on the fire side also okay so i'm doing that um but once i actually like, get a certification that okay. i can try to do is like something full-time i'm looking more towards paramedic all right but to get on like big cities sometimes it has to be like you have to be fire and paramedic okay so but I don't know. I'm excited to do it. My whole family's been in EMS. Um, my family's done like 220 years on the DeForest Fire Department Okay. as volunteers. So we've just always been there for, you know, other people. The pager goes off. We run out to help a stranger that we don't know. That's yeah. just kind of how we've always been. So not everybody understands it, but that's kind of what we do. 
That's awesome, man. It's, it's a fantastic to continue down the, the family tradition here. Yeah. So then, uh, now you, did you get any new? No, so for people that have heard that they, they go out bear hunting, they usually try to go like a, like a 600 grain arrow. It's because they want to have, a, like if some of they're getting broadside, they want a nice 18 inch, uh, um, um, what's a wound penetration? Like, yeah, penetration. Yeah. So this way you get a complete pass through. So you have mm-hmm. two location, two holes, but just like you have a massive uh, cut throughout the middle. So like, what are you thinking about sh- going or setting your arrow setup at? So right now I'm, I don't know the current grain, but I have 29 inch um, gold tip velocities. Okay, and they're you know light arrows for shooting because I'm only at about 55 pounds. Okay, so. Um, as much as I do want to go with a heavier arrow, I would have to change everything drastically. You know, mm-hmm. my bow's shooting so slow right now at 55 pounds that I, on one of the targets out here, I shot a 38 yard target at 30 yards and I went right into the dirt, like completely shot underneath it. Okay. So, you know, if I'm off by a few yards, I'm off by inches. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was shooting those speed bows, it was nice because I could shoot, you know, 20 to 35 at the same pin, basically. True. And I'd be off, you know, a few inches, not even. Okay. But, but now, you know, you're off five yards, you're off three inches. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know about, I know I wouldn't be able to get as much range as I do with my arrows now. Okay. Like with the HHA that I'm using, the Tetra. Um, because I feel like by the time I get to the 40, 50 yard mark, my sight's going to be all the way down, you know, with mm-hmm. my slow bow. So um, it's a great bow. I'm shooting the Matthews Halon 32, but I'm, like I said, I'm shooting at 50 pounds. So yeah. I have a 29 inch draw. It's, it still moves all right, but it's not breaking any records. So True. if I throw 200 more grains on, I feel like I'm going to be shooting the dirt at 10 yards. Yeah, you're going to really have to spend uh, some time on the range to get yeah. out because we're, we're only looking at, like, what, 15 days out before the season starts? Right. So I'm thinking about just sticking with what I got, but at the same time, if I hit a bear for the first time in seven years, first time ever bear hunting, mm-hmm. and something went wrong or it didn't go in all the way or stopped in the shoulder or something, I would... Oh, I'd be beside myself. Yeah, at least the nice thing is you're going to be bringing your bow and a firearm. And right. I'm, I'm assuming you're bringing a sidearm as well. Yeah, so um, I'm taking my uh, 357. It's only about five inches, mm-hmm. but just something to have. I have a Glock 43, or 48, I'm sorry, um, and 9 millimeter, but I think I'm going to stick with the 357 yeah, for a little more. Yeah, 357 is probably a good idea. Right. I don't so, blame with that. I think I'll stick with that, and I think we'll do okay. But like I said, um, I I sent so a, a check up north to that guy, and his name's Jerry Neese, and he's a wonderful person. And um, he, he's he been baiting year, all year for me. Okay. So he started in about, I think, mid-June. Mm-hmm. And because this year's bait first, that's why I wanted to do it. Okay. So I didn't want to run dogs. Um, okay. Nothing against it. I just want to sit there in my tree stand. I don't want to chase after a bunch of hounds. Um, so, so we're gonna do that. He's set everything up and have a place for me, and I, th- I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Save That's a lot awesome. of money too. Now, I didn't know you can you can actually run dogs in Wisconsin for bear. Yeah. So they do it bear first or bait first. It goes year by year. Oh. So okay. Last year was bear first, and now this year is going to be bait first. Okay. So they they kind of stagger it. So, you know, you're not sitting in a tree stand while people run by with hounds at the same time. Fair enough. You know, so, and I think it puts a lot of pressure on the bear too, if depending on the area you're in. Um, so, so I'm I'm excited for the bait first. 
I think that's a wiser decision yeah. on, on, on that because it's like I because for those who don't hunt bear don't understand like bears are very very elusive creatures and if you get a bear that's if you shoot a bear that's 30 years old this thing is not an easy thing to find and even bears to this day it's like you could be walking by a bear and they, you'll never you can have a bear walking by it and you wouldn't even know it because even though they're a big three to 800 pound animal they're very soft paws and they can move and and that they have given their paws this way you don't necessarily hear a twig break and so it's not an easy thing that happens it's similar to like with cat, hunting cats big cats because they're not they're you you're not going to see them they're going to see you before you see them but I've, I've talked to other hunters in other parts of the country that have been able to see the cat before the cat sees them and put an arrow in them or shoot them to based off of if it's if they have a tag or not to fill so it's not a barbaric thing to use dogs for those who think it's a archaic thing to use but it's like it's it's you have no idea how you're gonna find these bears and right. it's like and it's like and if you have a bear sneak up on you man it's like you better hope you have some way to deter it because otherwise you might be bear food yeah yeah um that's why i'm planning on staying in my tree stand <laughs> yeah as long as i can so so the bears don't get used to humans or so they do get used to humans um the guy asked me to send up a shirt that i wore all day okay so i sent him one of my t-shirts and okay. he put it out by the bear by the bait Interesting. so in the pictures you can see my shirt that i've worn for a day or two in uh-huh. in the pictures and they're so they're like getting used to my scent i gotcha and of course i'm also a scent snob so i have my you know scent bag and my my soaps and my everything and yeah. i i'm one of those like i won't go hunting if i don't you know smell like nothing yeah i don't like scent covers i don't like earth i don't like i like i would rather smell like nothing than something i gotcha you know i think for how many years those scent wafers have been around now this is just me thinking and talking i have no evidence to back this up but i'm thinking you know everybody's used those earth Mm -hmm. scent wafers or whatever for years yeah like maybe now they they think of that scent with a human okay um and it kind of goes the opposite way. My buddy is a chain smoker and mm-hmm. smokes all day, but deer don't put cigarette smoke with human scent. Wow. So he's been in the ground blind with deer walking by him at seven yards with a cigarette in his mouth, yep. and they don't they don't care. Yeah, same thing with my dad. My my dad's been deer hunter since uh, the eighty seven since the seventies. Always been a smoker. That's how he's bagged some of his. He, he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of bucks underneath his underneath his. Uh, um, in his house but he's, he's got a fair share of does and stuff like that but yeah it's like it's weird and how deer will disassociate stuff it's like even like I myself I use those I use those scent wafers but yep. I use them I use the real earth but we've been never been we've never been caught by smell it's always been line of sight where like we're, we're, we're set in some place where where they they can see us and it's like when they they come up behind us and it's like we're we're calling incorrectly because we're calling forward well, of course the deer's gonna come behind us right now if we're calling behind us the deer's gonna come to where we want them to be and it's just the mistakes you learn it's like it just happened to my wife and I a couple times sitting on the ground and uh, you know we we learn from that and go from there but it's like then after we, after we've had those busts and like we figured out what what's what we need to do listen to good old john dudley you know it's like there's like you get up in a tree stand you, you turn around you call the opposite direction you do as loud as you possibly can to carry depending on how heavy the wind is like how fast it is because that wind can sh- shift a sound real fast because there have been times where, where my wife and i used to hunt at we could be 30 yards apart from each other and you couldn't he couldn't hear either one of us grunting or bleeding yeah, it's weird, and it's funny you, especially talking about bear hunting, bringing up John Dudley. That man is insane, 
Have you seen any of the videos of him taking his boots off and stalking a bear barefoot? I, uh, I've heard so him on he the podcast. It. Never watched him on YouTube. Wow. I will... S- Sorry, John. I'm staying. I'm staying in my tree stand. I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's insane. Considering that, that that's what he does, and it's like he understands animals so well. It's like I can understand developing that kind of confidence and doing that. For me, yeah. I'm the same way. It's like I want to have enough distance because right. if I make something wrong, if I'm if something goes hanky, I want to have enough distance. So this way, I can either grab a bear spray or a sidearm yeah. or a firearm. So this way, then it's like this animal's going down, and it's like I don't want to be the I don't want to be the end result of pissing off a bear, and it's like I'm going to be able to bear food, you know. Yeah, just the way he talked about it, that video that I was watching, he takes his shoes off. And he's like, okay, this is what we do. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. He's in the middle of an open field, like crawling towards a bear, and anything can happen. I was like, nope, I don't even want him closer than 20 yards. I want to put my 20-yard pin on and shoot. I don't want I don't want to have to, you know, shoot to defend my life. I, I don't even want it to know that I'm there. So I got gotcha. you. But I, I think it's going to be a good time. Um he said they normally only hunt in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. So we're so far up north that um, during the day we're gonna go like salmon and trout fishing or there you go. something like that on the great or on, yeah on the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a good time. Um, uh, that's what I've heard from anybody that's ever gone bear hunting. That is that you only go like an hour or two mm-hmm. before dirt, dusk. And that's it. That's all you do. Otherwise, it's like it's a very long day because it's like right. all you're do- it's like all you're doing is hunting from like two or four. Or whatever until dusk, and that's it. And then, but then you have this all, whole opportunity. But at least you're gonna take it. You're gonna maximize the, the experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just excited for all of it. I have just, you know, I don't have many um, kills under my belt of anything really. Um, uh huh. You know, I've shot plenty of doe. I got a nice ten pointer about two years ago that I got all on film. Mm-hmm. But as far as that, my brother and I have been doing food plots and all that for years, and. Uh, my brother's on this kick of 160 or bust this year. Oh, really? But we also have this goofy six-pointer, and I'll take a small goofy six-pointer to get him out of the herd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I use venison burger for every meal okay. all year long. Okay. So my brother, um, when he was in school or even when he came back, he did he did uh, two tours in Ramadi, Iraq as an infantry marine. Okay. And lost a lot of people in his group. And um, he never really talked about it, never acknowledged it until about two years ago. And he got out of the Marines in 2009. All right. Um, I was a senior in high school. He got out and never acknowledged it. You know, people would say, you know, thank you for your service. And he didn't want any part of it. We'd be at a, we'd be at a banquet and they'd say, you know, at the beginning of it, everybody stand up if you've served. And I'd look at him and nudge him and he'd be like, you look at me, I'll kill you. I'm like, oh. Okay, <laughs> but now he's kind of coming around to it. Um, he had a he had a problem with it because of like what they did and what they had to do, and you know these people are killing these people, and the Americans show up and they kill them. You know, oh, you know. So he's like, we just stepped in the middle of a civil war, and now we're shooting at both of them. So he never really like got into it, but now now he's got a um, new truck and his he's got the marine license plate that says m m4 m203 for the gun with the oh, 203 no, grenade again. launcher underneath okay. it that he had uh, but anyway hunting was always his thing all right um he got out of the marines in 2009 and he was like i want the newest matthews this was funny we he got one of the newest matthews which was the z7 at the time okay and so he gets the z7 gets all these arrows made up he has the newest bow out there He's excited. 
two weeks later watching the outdoor channel knew matthew z7 extreme and he was like son of a he's so mad but but it was so he would spend all day he would all day hunt in september okay you know he would he would stay out there doesn't matter how cold or how warm it was he'd walk out there and he has walked out there in nothing but his boxers and puts his scent lock on like at the tree stand okay and so that's like his zen you know that's his his thing therapy i guess right yep so that's kind of always what he's done and so he has the time to wait you know he always gets a nice buck he got a nice bear years ago in canada because he'll wait okay if he doesn't get anything it doesn't matter to him like yeah he'd like the meat but you know put the price of venison after all your gear and everything like Mm -hmm. so he'll wait and he'll put something nice on his wall every year and then there's me that's out there for like 35 minutes and i'm like i'm gonna shoot that squirrel if it looks at me again (laughs) you know like so very different hunters um but now that we've been doing food plots and QDMA and I haven't shot anything besides that 10 pointer in a few years okay. for the land that we've been hunting, but I make sure I make him sweat every time I'm in the tree stand. If he's at work and I'm in the tree stand, okay. I'm like, this fork is, this fork is coming in. It's at 20 yards. I was like, sorry, sorry, B I'm going to take it. And I just know that he's like freaking out at work and it gives me, <laughs> it gives me joy. Um, one year I shot over this goofy kind of like seven pointer that we had. Yeah. And I pulled, I don't know if I got nervous, whatever happened. I hit the fawn behind it and I hit the fawn in the ass, but it was so far <laughs> like quartering away Yeah. that I watched my Luminoc and I saw the, I saw the fawn double over like 10 feet where it was. And okay. I, I buried my broadhead in the bottom of the heart. Okay. Like couldn't do it again if I tried. All right. Um, it just was how it happened. Well, all of our trail cameras, I was like, if my brother sees this, I'm dead. Okay. So instead of going back our trail, which we normally do, mm-hmm. I can't go back there. I have no reader. I can't clear the camera. I can't do anything. I was like, I have to go through the woods. So I went through the Brussels and the thick, nasty stuff oh, yeah? to get away from my brother. So I have this probably 50 pound little nub and buck. And I was like, I am dead. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I told him that a few years later and he was like that doesn't surprise me like any deer I see I'm like oh I could shoot that that'll taste great like <laughs> that, that's what I'm looking for so I'm I'm looking forward to actually hopefully getting a nice trophy and I've seen the trail camera pictures of of the bear that are up there and and actually ni- like a nice trophy um, because I do I'll shoot something for the meat or you know I'll probably get flack for this but I get bored and I'll shoot anything yeah like um, turkey hunting the last two years I shot Jake's because those are the first things that came in okay. and last year I was like I, c- I could use breakfast boom shoot a Jake like alright first day like I'm going home call her good and you know everybody is always waiting for that trophy and I've just always been you know I'm going to fill a tag I don't want to eat a tag I'm, but it's just what we do so yeah I'm just excited for the whole experience and hopefully I can actually get my first 
my first trophy. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this upcoming spring too because like uh, I had uh, Craig James in my podcast and he went four for four every weekend from week one to week four. He, he tagged out. Oh wow! And so he he he. he, he it's like I asked him if he could take me on a hunt because it's like I haven't hunt for this will be my seventh season hunt because I'm counting fall because I, I hunt I because if I'm gonna sit in a tree stand I'm going to get myself a turkey tag in the fall because it's right. like one happens come through I want to have it and if I don't well at least the money is going back to a good cause right and so it's like and so it's like I, I want to finally like put an arrow through one and he's just had nothing but good success and the podcast is really good because it's like he talks about like how he has different calls for different ranges like I had no idea oh, yeah. I'm just a little squawk box here and this is like this is like rookie stuff here it's like no wonder you're not getting anything to talk right. to you so it's like it makes sense now and uh, I'm looking forward to that hunt but this this upcoming uh, winter um, this, this fall it's like I'm looking forward to this hunt because we found a couple new properties like uh, we lost our old hunting land in, in Minnesota so now it's like I'm scout, scouting, scouting uh, farm management land uh, forest management land, and then I'm also looking at public land. So we're just kind of oh, sure. I have I have several spots. So it's like it's one of those things where I'm going to drive by and like see if uh, I'm just my goal is just to be the first one on, on site. And then if we happen to talk to each other, like maybe we can develop a partnership. And so this way, there's because it's like we've all run into like for you 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 uh, have you ever run into any animosity when you're hunting public land? Um, I I haven't hunted public land too much. Um, besides like squirrel and stuff like that. Um, I think I've only hunted public land once or twice, and I used my buddy's lone wolf tree stand. We went together. Mm-hmm. Now, my buddy Robbie that I went with, best friend, we grew up right next door to each other. The first year he really started bow hunting, he went up on some public land up by where I had a trailer on Lake Puckaway. And he calls me, and I'm at work, and he goes, do you happen to have an extra release at your trailer? <laughs> I said, okay. no. Did you? Why? He goes, well, I left my release, so I guess I'll just wing it. So okay. he goes out and in typical Robbie fashion. The Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape, and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger, uh, scope ring, which helps with peep alignment, as well as a built-in scope level, which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations, as well as a dovetail or tournament edition, uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. 
all the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Shoots a little fork on public with fingers looking down. He's like, I do my best. And sure enough, he shot it. Okay. So now last year on my son's birthday, September 17th, in my backyard, we have about 10 acres of public hunting land and we put a trail camera up in a tree stand. Okay. And there was nothing but doe and then we had a little teeny basket rack. But like I said, it's 10 acres. So like, we'll shoot whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he asked if he could come hunt. And... I said, yeah, you know, we put it up together. We're going to share the meat, whatever. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to shoot a doe for the for the freezer. And we're out at dinner for my son's birthday, and he calls, and it's still an hour before closing. And so now, you know somebody's hunting. They call you an hour before closing. They either have one or something happened. Okay. So I answer the phone, and he's going, <laughs> I'm like, Robbie, call, what happened? Are you okay? And he's, you know, hunting in my backyard. So I'm like, we need to go home. And he goes, I just shot a monster. I'm like, no, you didn't. It's September 17th. It's 80 degrees and it's uh-huh. 70% humidity. Like, yeah. I'm dying eating outside on a patio right now. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you shot a monster? And sure enough, it was like 19 and three quarters inside spread. And we've never seen it before on trail camera, anything. He gets up, hooks up, and I think he was in the stand no more than like 10, 15 minutes. It walked and out right around. It, it came out and he shot it. And he's like, but it might have been a bad shot. So we got my dog and my dog found it right away. She's just always been like that. And, um, but he, he hunts a lot of public and he has had that before where like he's been about to get in a tree stand and then he'll, he'll hear a, and he'll like look up and be like, oh shit. Like, so he has his, um, he has his camera or his, um, camera. What am I thinking? He has his, uh, climber yeah. and he'll go around and he said that is, you know, especially you access an area that has multiple parking lots okay. where they're like, Oh, there's, there's nobody here. And then he'll walk 200 yards and find a nice spot. And there's somebody sitting. Oh, he's like, Oh, I didn't even know anybody was here. And now like, you know, so he goes out a lot earlier than I would to get into a stand. Cause yeah. you got to find a good spot, but he's, he's gotten deer off there and he's filled freezers and mm-hmm. all that. So I might try that this year because like I said, my brother's one sixty or bust. And okay. I know if, so when I shot that, 10-pointer, everything I do in my life, this sounds silly, but has always been like, make my brother proud. Okay. Okay. He's always been my hero, blah, blah, blah. So I, this buck comes in and his, his rule was 10 outside the ears because we had a lot of 10-pointers running around. Okay. And so this comes in and I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. Oh my God. One, two, three, four, five. Oh my God, it's a 10-pointer. And I kept counting like, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. I have to make sure it's a 10-pointer. Okay. And then it looks at me and like, and it's outside the ears. And so, so I shot that and he shot a doe that day too, but he was hunting in a place in Briggsville. So okay. we met in the middle. We actually met in the parking lot of Portage Prison Okay, and showed him the buck. And the buck he shot at that same property like two, three weeks earlier, okay. we have pictures side by side. And I think they're twins. No I kidding. think they were twins that year because they are identical. Of course, nice. him being him, he has me by like 10 inches, <laughs> um, like an inch on every point. But okay. they are almost symmetrical besides that. So, That's awesome. But I've been, I've been fortunate. I've never had to hunt public land. Um, and my the farmer that my grandparents or my grandpa hunted, you know, we've hunted the same place for 20 years. He's getting older. He had a heart attack a few years ago. Okay. So... 
he does have a nephew who is going to take it over when when he passes and get the land. It's about 140 acres. Okay. Um, but I think uh, I think um, once once that comes, then I'll have to start exploring options. But uh-huh. as of, as of now, we've been fortunate enough where I haven't had to hunt in public too much. I got you. No, it, uh, with your the, the nephew, the, 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 the nephew or the grandson taking nephew nephew. Do you, do you have you guys working on a relationship with him to maintain that that those hunting privileges? Um, I know my brother has. I know my brother has talked to like his dad, okay, who's the farmer's brother. All right, um, about that because we have been up there for years, and there used to be some guys that hunted the other side of the property. So like we had our half and they had their half. Yeah, and this is awful, but we always called them the inbreds <laughs> because they had like no teeth between them. They were he was like a forty year old, and he always said he's like daddy, daddy, and like called his dad daddy all the time. We were always like these guys are weird. Okay, they would shoot a spike. And then measure it and go, nice, we got a buck tag when Wisconsin used to do that. Okay. And we were like, do you guys just think about like what? So one year uh, we helped him trail a deer because he was using a 243 and it was using full metal jackets. That's like how smart this guy was. Yeah. So my dad, who was a cop, was like, well, you can't use this round for deer hunting. He's like, oh, he goes, this deer, this round puts him down all the time. We're like, okay, no, it doesn't because we're looking for a small doe and we're tracking this thing 100 yards. Yeah. And so we ended up finding it and he had to shoot it again. But it was just one of those, like, there's just no common sense there. So we finally talked the farmer into, like, getting them off the land. And uh-huh. one of the other guys still hunts it, but he's, like, the only normal one. So my oh, brother's talked to him so. many times. So he's okay. But the other ones that would just... I mean, I remember being about 15 years old and seeing a doe underneath me, and I was videotaping with my phone, and I was just kind of playing with it, and it's in front of me. This is gun season, and I hear, kaboom, and I look over to my left where that guy was sitting with my binoculars thinking, like, where was he shooting? He shot that deer under me. That deer was in front of me at 60 yards, and he was about 120 to my left. Okay. And he shot my way, and we kind of made like a stretched out triangle so he wasn't directly shooting at me but the deer was in front of me Uh uh-huh and then he comes up with his unzipped jacket like kicking corn stalks and he's like i figured you were sleeping so i shot at it ha 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 like you're an idiot like what why would you do that yeah you know like i obviously wasn't shooting it i was videotaping with my phone and you like shot in my direction to shoot a deer 60 yards in front of me which was 120 from you yes so it was just those kind of people yeah yeah Yeah. and they had no common sense about it so now that they're gone and we've actually built bigger bucks i've seen bigger bucks on my trail camera than i have ever my whole life in the last three four years and fantastic news yeah because up until uh like up until uh, like we we were watching our our buck grow on our property in minnesota and then it's like like, finally the golden year to do it and then we were we're asked politely you can't hunt anymore because it's like he's retiring he didn't want to deal with the, the lindas next door so uh, so now here we are. So it's like, I was just kind of curious about that because it's like, yeah. I've heard horror stories, but I also heard some really pleasant stories too, where some people are like really like happy about it. Cause like, I have a friend of mine that's, uh, Tony Lincoln's been on the podcast a couple of times. And he was telling me that like he went way, way back in there. And because of the people that are showing up at right at uh, daybreak, he shot out, he was able to sh- fill a doe tag and just walk off and stuff like that. And he was able to correspond with them. It's like, hey, this is what I saw. This is what, this is what you did for me. And like, and just trying to give them pointers to like repay the favor you know and so hopefully I'm, I'll, I'll be able to find it because we found this one beautiful spot where it's like 300 acres or uh, 
with 300 yards of pasture, and then it has clovers in it, and it has water source that in the creek in it too as well. So hopefully, we fingers crossed, we may have it by ourselves. But I also looked at there's a there's a bunch of um, blue stickers there. It's like I don't know if these Democrats can be willing to let me hunt around here. Right. Give me any pushback or not? But I've I've already reached out to the DNR guy to like to clarify the rules of this property because when you're doing farm management land or, or, or forest management land, you you you, you have a point of contact. So this way you're not reaching out to the right. owner. So this way it's like I don't want to do this shit. Yeah. And so this way then I just talked to him and he 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 wasn't able to tell me that anybody else hunts it, but he just told me like, well, this is where you can like you can only park in this area right here. And like, cause there's one spot that's developed that has a. a a farm on it, but oh, it's, okay. it's no longer active, and it's like, well, it makes more common sense to park here because right. there's not a lot of. But then, as I'm looking through the pasture, there's like there's more than one spot where I can pull off and park a truck or a car and and not have to worry about it because it's like you said, just park someplace safely, and then you'll be all right. And so I'm like, and it's like we're figuring it all out. So as it start, as the nice thing is only 15 minute drive. So when my wife and I are get off of work, when she's off of work at, at five, we can go out there, we can glass that edge, and and just kind of figure out where we want to go. And the nice thing is, is that there's a creek bed that sits nice and low, so we'll be able to get in one spot, walk around, and especially in the morning when the thermals change, because like if we're setting up in the in the in the trees there, that the thermals are going to go straight up that hill. Well, if we're sitting below that, we're like we, we may be in a in a good position for right. it because it's one of the things like I'm so used to hunting kind of like flatland out in uh, Minnesota and uh, southern southeastern Minnesota. Now it's like actually hunting in bluff country. It's like you got to think about that aspect of it, and it's like it's like cause I was listening to Greg Tubbs from the where to hunt podcast you didn't mention that it's like that's a, that's something i didn't it's like i i had in the back of my mind but it's like i didn't really think about it until he said it and say like, this sounds like a way to really analyze that to really make sure i'm going the right direction with it yeah there's there's definitely a lot of variables too when it comes to public and how you're going to get there and who else is there and um my my buddy that i used to work with said that the public land he would hunt all of a sudden he would just hear like a lady calling for her dog like she would like park there and okay like run her dog through there and he's like that was always frustrating but at the same time like it's public so yes it's anybody's Uh he's like and you can't like put a sign up that says like hunter in the area and expect like people not to come up you know so it's kind of like you're at the mercy but at the same time you know you can find gems and Mm -hmm. i know a guy from my hometown that um the way he hunts is absolutely insane he'll find a spot and jump in his kayak and bring a huge buck out nice it's it's insane um he was a good buddy of my brother's growing up and yeah he doesn't hunt any property like public or private property it's all public Mm -hmm. and he like prides himself on that and the bucks he pulls out is absolutely insane. Like, the man's an animal. Uh, Dan Involt level like yeah. quality bucks. Yeah, it's and it, most of them are just the you know black swamp you know big big deer and it's yeah. it's insane. I, it's like I'm not really much of a horn hunter myself. It's like I li- I like just going after the meat and it's right. like. Uh, that's what my wife and I are all about. It's like once we get a couple of does and stuff like that, a couple like when we both tag out. We, like, since like when you get your first buck, it's like everything's downhill from there. Right. And like it's like for me, it's like I just want to sit next to her, help her call in a buck, and have her check that off her list. And then it's like then it's just like it's all open game because like I'm at the point where like, I I just want to be out there hunting because right. it's, like, it's my form of therapy. And like coming out here shooting yesterday, like I shot this course and I absolutely loved it. It's like there's it's easy going. Like you remember on number seventeen where you're shooting, and you have that 
doe bedded. Yeah. Well, it's like I had it. I was shooting low on it, and then the, the, the first one I shot went right underneath the target. It <laughs> stuck, and it's like well, luckily it's like a, I thought it like skipped and jumped over it, and then the second shot I hit, it hit the rock and it skipped and it like did that on purpose? <laughs> you see that? I did that on purpose? Like no, no. I was like no. It's like I was aiming right, at the, but when it when it skipped, it landed right in the kill zone, right, in the, right in the twelve spot. It's like it's <laughs> like so I could I couldn't do that again if I tried. Right. And then you shoot the um, number. What is it? 20 or something like that with the stegosaurus yeah with yeah. a log yeah yep. that one that was a little tricky that because it's like because my sight doesn't go compensate for that low of a shot so i'm trying to figure out like how am i going to put it and i end up losing one of my one of my arrows one of my more expensive ones like mm. I, I, I did it again hit a kill shot on it but it's like that's all it was my wife was telling me don't do it again because they don't want you to lose another right arrow. there's and, another 20 uh, bucks <laughs> yeah pretty that's how much it was too and uh we spent most of the day ser- just searching for her arrows but it's like <laughs> she had a fun she had a blast because this is uh uh, this was her second event oh, okay. with HHA, and uh, but we didn't shoot in warrants because like we were just thinking about just kind of like wasn't really mo- too motivated. But then when we actually were there or seeing everybody out there shooting, having fun, yeah. And it's like I wish I would have brought my bow. I wish right. I would have brought it. And now it's like then we made it. We made this into a weekend trip for us. And it's like this course is just fantastic. And I talked to Rick Reynolds, who's the treasurer, earlier today. We have a podcast that'll be coming out later on. But that one's just a very meat and potatoes of the organization and everything. Oh, like they okay. have really beautiful future plans with this place, like including weddings and bachelor parties and whatever's oh, well, like whatever's yeah. lucrative, like makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're they're capping it off at at twenty eight targets, which makes perfect sense. Right. But they also have the the eighty yard box range and like they have tons of parking, which is fantastic. And then and then they have a place where they can cook, and then they have a huge. If you well, you walk through there and look at all the, the uh, prizes or the uh, giveaways and stuff. Yep. Uh, we should say prizes for the auction and such. But it's like that's a, that's a. You said it's forty two from corner to corner. 42 yards like that is challenging it's like that actually gives you some room to stretch yeah because it's like shooting at like 20 or 30 yards it's like you're not really you feel like you're short you're, you're short yourself up you're not really getting that uh, that full range of motion right. and like really concentration and I like I like this whole thing of like it's just the people they have in this organization is just fantastic and we're Probably going to be over a hundred for the weekend, which is a, a fantastic. hundred shooters, yeah, that's awesome. And I think today alone we're at seventy, I believe. I'm not, I haven't got the final total. Just today, like, yeah, just for today, because I mean it's a, it's gorgeous day out there. Right. But I I heard that there's not a lot of wind going through there, but it is nice to have that nice canopy though. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it's it's a kind of a nice trade off, but without wind, it gets it, it traps all that humidity in there. Yeah, it was all right when we were shooting the. Uh, the long shot here the first target um that's at like 62 yards the big moose mm-hmm. um standing in that sun was hot if this whole thing was outside especially running around with my five-year-old um i don't think we would have made it but it being in in there even though there wasn't much air moving just being in there and out of the direct sun was a big deal and i'm just i'm just happy to be here i'm just happy that you know, Chris was able to expand and do this, and there's going to be even more shoots next, next year. year. Yeah, I'm excited about and that. Just even you know, 100 shooters, 20 bucks a pop. Like that's that's awesome, just for the cause. Yes, and yeah. all the things that have donated, like um, the the hats. I've included koozies and stickers. Yeah, that I brought. Um, I I have a, I have um, one of our sponsors here is the RPG Coffee. They're based out of. Uh, they have two spots. They have one in Maple Grove, and they have one out in in Boston. And Nathan France came in yesterday. We recorded a podcast. It's oh, already okay. live already. Because that's what I'm telling you yesterday. Yep. It's like if you want to, that that don't talks about RPG and like the whole mission behind it, like and how their whole mission is about 
EMS, firefighters, uh, police officers, veterans, and all whole nine because they built in a 50% profit margin. So this way, 50% of the profits go to some type of a fund. That's like, awesome. He, he set up over here, set up his coffee and stuff like that, and all the proceeds that he sold, that they made, handed all to handed all to Chris. That's awesome. I have awesome. no idea how much he how much they made, but it's like I gave um, coffee to Mark, which is I think the president or something like that. I got some I got some goodies for you too as well, and awesome. uh, yeah, and like there's pl- awesome prizes here too. It's like I, and like there's really cool bows in there. I thought that they the um. Uh, expedition came out with a limited edition one for this shoot itself, so which is pretty cool. There's a few people have bid on it too, so it's like it's it's a perfection, and it's an, it's a great smooth and it's a great shooting bow with a stone finish. is one of one of twenty two, so it's it's a very limited run of the twenty two veterans. That's yeah. insane. Yes, yeah. I think it goes to say just a lot about if you come here for the first time and you just meet Chris, um, you know you can buy his sites that you know his family has made from you know the ground up for last 30 years you can buy his sites anywhere you know anywhere mm-hmm. in the country and um and he's one of the most humblest selfless you know people i've ever met and you come to one of these shoots and you meet him you know that's gonna that's gonna get you the following right there and oh, yes. and just the donations i mean the company i don't have the water bottle here but that wisconsin company that um, donated the water. Yeah, the water. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I know what you're talking. About. But they're uh, they're being sold in all locally owned, like Woodman's and stuff like yeah. that, being sold there as well. They do, they, they donated. They've been donating cases and cases everywhere. Yeah, and that's that's insane. Um, yes, here it is. Northern, Northern Chill. Northern Chill. Um, you know they donated water, and the nice people the of the club here were driving around throughout the shoot, and yep. you know I I pulled my wallet out because my son got one and I got one. I said, how much? And she goes, oh, no, they're free. They were donated. Yes. And just the people that are coming out, you know, for the veterans, yes, you know, everybody does it for the veterans and stuff. But just having somebody like Chris Mm -hmm. behind it, too, makes it, you know, he doesn't want anything. He does this every weekend all summer long. You know, he doesn't want anything from it. He doesn't want the recognition. He just does it. He met my brother, who we talked about earlier. Yeah. And, you know. Every time he talks to me, he also asks about him. Yeah. And he's just one of those great guys that I I met just through the whole, like, pro staff thing years ago. And now HHA doesn't really have a pro staff anymore, but now him and I are friends on a personal level. Yeah. And it's, you know, every – when it's the off season or hunting season or, you know, we're just texting back and forth, you know, every, every so often just checking mm-hmm. in on each other. And it's – for all the people that he knows and in the industry and stuff to get a, a random text message from him. That's like, Hey Trav, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm just honored to be here and be a part of it. And hopefully we can get some more shoots down my way, you know, cause I'm, I'm an hour and a half from home and I'll, I'll do that to show up for somebody like Chris. Yeah. And, but if I could help and get something in my club in Poinette or, you know, Verona, one of the nice clubs around down by me, that's, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, expand. Yeah. And like, um, cause it was all because of you that actually put us two in contact cause you right. talked to him last fall and then he hit me up before ATA show and then things got busy and such like that. And then the C word came around and then we kind of, we were, we, we became dormant cause like, I'm not really one to go after people, you know, cause like I just kind of the humility cause it's like, I, I feel weird about it. Cause even though I may have a platform, I, I don't think it's like, it's, it's, I'm above it. It's like, and like we got to meet in, at, uh, Wapaka and my whole thing was 
was just to go up there and talk to Brian Austin from uh, Beast Mode Archery Challenge, which they were, had their championship this weekend in, in Tyrell Basin. And then, like, he introduced me to Chris, and it's like, it just went from there. Like, now we're exchanging books. Like, I gave him a, a book from Dr. Gabor Mate, for, like, Hug, Hug Your Kids. He, he's giving me several books, too. He gave me two books, the same copy. It's called uh, uh, Dominion. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking. So it's like I have two copies of it. Now, right. So it's like, all right. And I, haven't, I haven't gotten to it yet, to be honest, with uh, to Chris. Because I, I, I'm reading other books, too. So it's, it's, it's in my library of things to read. And so, like, I've been doing... Uh, a lot of research on Charles Beatty. He's the, what they call the Prince of Poaching, and, and he's oh, okay. and he's uh, has a stigma, st- st- um, stigma to him. But it's like you got to remember when he was poaching in Texas back in the seven sixties and seventies and eighties. It was it was a misdemeanor fine. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year so it's like to him, mm-hmm. and so and, but also, and then once it, and once it finally turned into a felony, he stopped doing it. But right. he's a very interesting character. He's been on a few podcasts. I'm looking forward to having him. I just wanted to give a list to all of his all of his um audio that's, that he's been on right now, just kind of get a familiarization of it all to figure out what kind of questions I want to ask, what kind of character he is, and such. And so it's like this whole year has been a very big blessing because like I've been traveling around. I mean, I've been this is my third event this year for for Chris, and then it's like in, I've been traveling down in Iowa and Illinois and like recording podcasts in different places and you know it's even with the c-word going on here it's like i've been able to take it make the most of it and so it's like not having to worry about cabin fever you know it's like it's it's pretty easy once you start like when you when you expand your your informational information you're not getting it from from the left you're getting it from the right you're trying to get your i'm gathering my information from other people that are taking the initiative to do their the research to find like what's going on here so i like an when I was here, it's like this is the first time I actually watched radio TV. The programming that goes into people's mind, the new norm, the new norm, the new norm. It's like and you're hearing that five or six times. That brainwashes you. Right. And it's like it's very scary and how that's then like how they want to call this new norm. It's like uh uh-uh, uh that that's 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 communist. That's that's uh that's that's going the wrong direction here. And we were talking about this earlier, like I was looking at the D and the DNC, and if you turn it clockwise, it's 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 a symbol, it's it's the Bafflement star. 
and I couldn't believe it. It's like we're <laughs> we're talking about like because uh, Chris and I get into some biblical discuss- discussions, but sure. it's like, there's a lot of evil going on. Like, and you look at the lack of leadership in Minneapolis and Chicago and any place that's run by the blue, you, you're you're wrecking that you're seeing that right there. And it's like and you 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 see this this organization called BLM, and you dig deep into it. It's all about following money into Act Blue from from Act Blue, and it's like it's not a good thing. What's going on here? Because we're being undermined, and and if you're only getting your news sources from two or three different sources, you're going to have a, oh, yeah. a blind eye to everything. You're not really going to be open to everything. Right. But then again, I think I just comes down to all the psilocybin I've done in my youth. Well, the way I look at it is I it's it's all like smoke and mirrors. You know, when you look at different things happening and then what they're covering, you can't tell me that for 24-hour coverage since, what, March? Yeah. Earlier than that. CNN has 24-hour coverage of the coronavirus. I haven't heard many other stories, headline news, breaking news. Mm-hmm. Anytime I turn it on at work or wherever, it's the coronavirus. Yeah. It's like, what else is happening? There's more to the world. There's mm-hmm. more to this country that's happening at the same time, but it's 24-hour coverage of that. Yeah. It's frustrating. But anyways, we can get off that rant. But uh with the hunt coming up and stuff like that, um, is there anything that that you've learned that you've that you've that was like a eye opener when you're when you started like uh, researching hunting bear? Um, so I started looking into it a few years ago when I knew that my points were going to be coming up in a few years, and there is just so much. It kind of kind of reminds me of um, like the hog hunting in Texas. Okay, is hog hunting in Texas is like if you have the the land, you can charge a redneck from Wisconsin to come down there for four or five hundred dollars and shoot two hogs. Okay. But anything I heard from people that actually live down there is like you could go to the farmer next door that doesn't have an outfitter service and he'll give you money to shoot his hogs. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, I took care of a patient that was from Texas, and I told him that I was going down there, and he started laughing, and that's what he told me. He said, people make a killing off of you guys. So there was 15 of us okay. that went down there. 15 times 400. Wow. You know, just our group, and they are packed all year long. Mm-hmm. So they are making a mint. And, but like I said, you go next door, and, you know, They'll pay you to hunt, hunt bear. And then I know people up north that will check their trail cameras and be like, oh, more black ants. And like to them, like bear are annoying because there's so many of them yeah. in, in certain parts. Especially if they run livestock on their property as well. Right. And um, so if, if you have property and you have a bear problem and you want somebody to take a bear... You know, it, it's not like you get a bear hunt every year, you know, especially in Wisconsin. It took seven years for me. Okay. But if you have, if you're an outfitter, uh, the lowest one I found, I think, was $1,200. Jesus. For just the week. Yes, they feed you. They have the lodge, everything. But that's on top of, you know, your tag and everything else. So if, if you don't have a place to go, you're kind of at the mercy of the outfitter. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's just hunting. So now you only hunt in the afternoon. What are you going to do? You hang out with an outfitter that you don't know. You know, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know. We're all hunters. We're all outdoorsmen. I mean, I'm sure you can have a bunch of beer and have a good time with any of the outfitters. But I'm just, I really lucked out that 
uh, my guy Jerry is letting me hunt up there that, you know, we're going to go fishing and he, he's getting older and he said he can't do much, you know, the, as much as he would like to. So I said, you know, you're letting me hunt up there. I'll help you with whatever you want for the week. Yeah. You know, I'll work all day until we hunt. I don't care. And so that whole aspect has kind of, kind of cracked me up is of the whole, you know, if you're an outfitter, it's, it's so lucrative, mm-hmm. you know, and especially that's i feel like that's how it is anywhere now you can lease you can lease land for a thousand two thousand dollars just for the hunting season yeah anywhere it's it's not that easy to just knock on doors and get access to 100 acres anymore um that's how that's how my family's hunting properties that you know knock on doors onyx is helping a lot because it's opening the door of you know, knock on the door and somebody comes out and goes, oh, are, are you Mrs. Smith? You know, you must be Mrs. Smith. And then, you know, talk like that. So you can still do it, but it's if people are realizing that, you know, there's money in hunting. And, you know, somebody has a nice bow, you know that they have a $1,000, you know. Yeah. So there, there's money in it. And just like anything so the fact that i was able to find somebody that you know offered his his own place and he put the tree stand up for me and he's been baiting the bear and you know i feel like one of those african hunts where you just jump off the jeep and they put up the shooting sticks and you look through the scope and pull the trigger and then (laughs) they take care of everything like that's kind of what i feel like is happening but um you you won't know until you get that week up there and you can find out like well it's like it's it's day seven and it's like we're like three minutes so shooting the hour and like well i gotta figure out how to get back up here again because your tag is good for how many weeks Um, how many days that i can't remember i just know that i took those days of vacation so Mm -hmm. you know those are my days it's like hopefully it's make or break but i'm sure if it doesn't happen i'll be driving up one day at you know, midnight to hunt in the morning. Yeah, or you're you're taking off at noon to hopefully yeah. get there at two or one. Well, no, you says four hours waste. So you yeah. have to be leaving at ten o'clock in the morning. Right. Get there, get set up, and get prepped, and get out there, and hopefully you don't spook him or right. her. Well, because you know, it's only a boar tag, right? Correct. Fall? Okay, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. I think it's only a boar tag all yeah. around. You know, so yeah, because they still have young cubs too. Yeah, because you, you, you mentioned earlier on the podcast, you said there was a uh, sow that had a couple of. Uh, uh, cubs out there which is good to see because right. like, she was able to get bred twice and they haven't been eaten since since everybody woke up in the in the, in the spring right yeah so yeah I, i'm really excited really excited for the whole experience i also haven't been up to that part of the state really much okay i used to grouse hunt up in saner wisconsin like saint germain area all right um and i used to say that I've killed more pine trees than anybody. <laughs> I mean, we used to walk down um, ATV trails or like old logging trails. Yeah. And they would get up and by the time you shoulder a gun, you're shooting through pine trees and you're like, did, did I get it? No. Just yeah. pine needles everywhere. Um, so that's kind of the, been my only experience and I haven't been up there doing that in about 10 years. So I'm excited. I'm also um, looking forward to going to Copper Falls State Park, which is up there. Yeah. It has a bunch of waterfalls. It's absolutely beautiful from anybody I've ever talked to. Yeah. So I think I'm going to do that. I'm also going to be videotaping. Um, oh, fun. So I'm bringing my camera arm, my Canon and my GoPro and I'm going to bring my friend's GoPro and have a few different angles and hopefully I'll get the whole thing on film. So hopefully next time we talk, I'll have that, a video to tell everybody to watch. <laughs> that would be exciting, man. I'm looking forward to that for you. I'm hoping everything works out for you there. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think we're – and then I just got to say again, thank you for block, 
Black Hawk Archers here yeah. in Custer, Wisconsin, for letting us record the podcast, let us host the shoot here, and like they're, they're growing in all the right directions. So it's like, thank you again for all that. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom or anything you want to say? No, just shoot straight. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Aim small, miss small. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into Bucks America podcast. You can find this on all the major programs out there, so you can't miss me. But thank you for tuning in. You guys have a great day. Yeah.